the book that contains all the blessings and purposes of God for his church, for his people. And God gives that book to this lamb, as he is described in this chapter. And you'll note here that God has given all government to his son. A bit like what Pharaoh did with Joseph in those years of famine. And because of Joseph's dream and interpretation that there would be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine, and Pharaoh appointed Joseph to be the king of all the barns and the granaries of Egypt, and nothing would be granted without Joseph's permission. And all the people were told to go to Joseph. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak, and I trust the Lord will bless you richly today. We continue our message on the right man to open the book, to break the seals thereof, and to open all the blessings unto his people. Of course, that right man is the Lord Jesus, the Savior that we all need, and we'll be looking at that from Revelation chapter 5 today. We have been, of course, beginning our programs with the Psalms, and we come today to the Psalm 25, and uh, this uh, is a very unique psalm in, in some ways. It's a very special psalm. It is the first of the Psalms that is built on the, an acrostic of the Hebrew alphabet. 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and we have here 22 verses. And in the Hebrew Bible, each verse begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet cleverly designed, composed by the psalmist, and uh, a teaching tool to teach God's people his word. And of course, today we use the same little devices, memory aids, that will help us to just get a grasp of God's word. But you can think of God's people singing this in Hebrew and going down the alphabet in each stanza, what a help it was to their memories. That's why this psalm is called the teachable man's psalm. And that's a mark of conversion. It's a mark of Christianity that a man becomes teachable. Be, uh, the unsaved, unconverted man is rebellious to God. But when we are saved by grace and God the Holy Spirit lives in our hearts, there is a new thirst for knowledge and a desire to be taught of God. And you'll find in this psalm, and I'm going to read just a little section of it, but you'll find in this psalm many requests, show me, teach me, open mine eyes, and so on. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let, not me, let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth, and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions, according to thy mercy. 
Remember thou me for thy goodness' sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore will he teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. And I'm sure you'll have picked up as I read through those opening verses, that's the first 11 verses in Psalm 25, the, the hunger for knowledge, the desire to be taught, show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths. The child of God delights in the Lord's word, as we have read in Psalm 1. The blessed man is the man that delights in the law of the Lord day and night. And here in the Psalm 25, you have this coming through again. You have the godly man converted, born again, and he's thirsting to know God and to know the will of God. Now, that means that in the gospel that God's law is written in our hearts. And there is this implanting of the desire for God and a certain knowledge of God within our souls. That's the miracle of the new birth. And I pray that that's your desire today, that you want to know the Lord. You want to know his mind and his will for your life. And that's healthy. That's good. And it's something that you should be praying about and going to the Bible every day, asking, Lord, show me, teach me thy ways. Now, it's a great thing to be a Bible student, to have Bible in hand, to be digging in, to know God's mind and God's will. And I hope here on Let the Bible Speak, there will be a word for your soul, even today as we return to our topic on the right man to open the book. Revelation chapter 5, coming to you from the Free Presbyterian Church pulpit in Cloverdale. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak, and this is Ian Golliher. Thank you for joining with us, and we're moving now to the pulpit ministry of our church on Revelation chapter 5, the whole theme of Christ, the one who is able to open the book, to unlock the seals, and to pour out the blessings upon his own people. And of course, as Redeemer and Savior of his church, this is his role, this is his ministry. And every born-again Christian, every believer in the Lord Jesus rejoices in the ministry of the Lamb as we think of him as God's sacrifice for sin and as we think of him paying the price in our place. What a wonderful Savior we have. Stay tuned with us now as we turn to uh, Revelation chapter 5. May the Lord minister to your heart, speak to your soul, and lead you to personal faith in the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Now, in verse 7, you'll notice that he must be qualified to take the book. The message of the elders identifies the one who is able and he calls on John to stop weeping and look to the lion of the tribe of Judah. What a title. The right to take the book. Let's read verses 6 through 9, and I want you to get the connection 
that he is worthy, he is able to take the book for the right reason. Let's look for this. Verse 6, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book, the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. Colon. Notice the break in the grammar here. Notice that there is now coming something that is key for thou wast slain. And the reason why he is able to open the book, unbreak the seals, and bring the blessings to his people is that this one was slain and has redeemed us to God by thy blood. There's the power. There's the victory. There's the very basis on which the blessings come to God's people. Now, this language of the book and the seals really comes from Old Testament mortgages. I'd like you to study that with me. We're going to take a little digression to the book of Jeremiah, to chapter 32, verse 6. Now, please come along because it throws a lot of light on what John is seeing in this book. In Jeremiah chapter 36, verse 6, this mortgage agreement where Jeremiah was told by the Lord, well, let's just read it and we'll comment along. And Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Behold, Hanamiel, the son of Shalom, Thine uncle shall come unto thee, saying, Buy thee my field that is in Anathoth, for the right of redemption is thine to buy it. Now, please pause a moment. Take a look at that verse 7, and notice the language of mortgages in the Old Testament. And there you have get this word, redemption. Now, if someone asks you, what does it mean to be redeemed? What does it mean that you have redemption? This is the language of mortgage, buying property. For the right of redemption is thine to buy it. Now, what gives the right? Well, it's a blood relative. So Hanamiel, mine uncle's son, came to me. There was a family connection here. He would have been a cousin. There was a blood relation. So Hanamiel, mine uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison, according to the word of the Lord, and said unto me, Buy my field. So here is the power of prophecy. God said to, said to Jeremiah, Get you ready for this. It's going to happen. And he's going to come, and he's going to offer to sell the field and he wants you to buy it. Buy my field, I pray thee, that is in Anathoth, 
which is in the country of Benjamin. For the right of inheritance is thine. Why did he come to him? Because he was a kinsman. He was a relative. There was a blood relationship. And the right is thine, and the redemption is thine. Buy it for thyself. Then I knew that it was the word of the Lord. Now, two things. One who is worthy to open the book and to bestow the blessings, the first thing he needs to be is a relative. He needs to be related to us. We have learned already in Revelation 5 that the Lord Jesus is of the root David. He is fully man. And this is the whole emphasis that there was no man, but a man was found. He's the God-man. He's the Lord Jesus, the Lamb of the tribe of Judah. He's a redeemer to us because he's made of our nature. He's made of our blood and our bones. And he has the right to redeem us because he was miraculously conceived by me and became man. And it says here in verse 9, And I bought the field of Hananiel, my uncle's son, that was in Anathoth, and weighed him the money, even 17 shekels of silver. So he has to be a relative, but he also has to be rich. He needs to have the money to do it. And you remember whenever Boaz wanted to uh, redeem the property for Ruth and Naomi, uh, the first in line, didn't have the money. But Boaz did. He was a rich man. Here you'll see Jeremiah. He had the money, the money of redemption, which is silver, by the way. is a type in the Bible of redemption. Our Lord Jesus is a relative. He's of the root of David, and he's also rich, not in silver and gold, but the blood that he shed. We have learned it was because he was slain, and it is by his blood that he purchases our redemption. So he needs to be a relative. He needs to be rich. Something else needs to be done. If you look at verse 10, it has to be recorded. And I bribed the evidence and sealed it and took witnesses and weighed him the money in the balances. Now, notice what it says there, I subscribed the evidence. In the margin of my Bible, it says, wrote in the book, subscribed, would mean that there was a record, an entrance into an official document or book. And then it says in verse 11, so I took the evidence of the purchase, that's the book. Both that which was sealed according to the law and custom, and that which was open. Was I want you to notice that there were two books. The book that was sealed, that's the long-term record, and the book that was open as a witness. There are these two books. It was official, it was legal, and it was before witnesses. And the verse 12, I gave the evidence of the purchase unto Baruch, the son of Neriah, in the sight of Hanamiel, mine uncle's son, 
and in the presence of the witnesses that subscribed the book, they also signed off on it of the purchase before all the Jews that sat in the court of the prison. Now, having looked at that whole buying, purchase, redemption business in Jeremiah, we come back to Revelation 5, and we get some clues at what is going on, as there is this looking for a man to open the book, to break the seals. The record's there, and it's all. And of course, it takes the Lord Jesus himself to open that very eternal decree of God and bring it into effect. And of course, the Lord Jesus is now the one who is fulfilling and executing the very purposes of God in redemption. Now, that brings us to personal participation in this. I want you to notice, if you go back to verse 9, that they who sing a new song, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, for slain and has redeemed us to God. I want you to notice that this Redeemer does not represent all men everywhere. The Lord Jesus did not die for all men in all of the world. His blood, his redemption, is defined here as for us, those who are washed in the blood, those who are redeemed. In verse 10, you'll notice again, and has made us unto our God, kings and priests. Uh, has that happened to all men everywhere? Has all men been made princes, priests, and kings unto God? No. There are multitudes who go to hell. There are multitudes who lose their souls. And if it was the eternal decree of God that all men would be saved, and God sent his Son to save all men, we would have to say the gospel was a failure because all men are not saved. But praise God, there are the sum. They are the sum out of every kindred, tongue, and people, and nation. This gospel is broad. It is wide. It's to be preached into all the world with the assurance that all who come will be saved. But we know that the eternal decree of God applies to those who come not to all. So universal redemption is certainly not the plan and the purpose of God. Now, you must therefore search for the Savior. This is why you must search personally. You cannot say today participation as a Christian, as a believer in the blood atonement, in the very purposes of God, unless you personally, individually, have come and accepted the Lord as your own Savior. Upon you, the call, the command of the gospel to believe and to be saved. Now, I wonder today, are you searching? I think there are people here today who are saved. They have in the past searched. 
They have come to the conclusion that there is one who is worthy. His name is Jesus. He suffered on the cross. He rose again from the dead. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's the one. There is one mediator between God and men. He's identified as the man, Christ Jesus. And for Christians here today, the search is over. I'm satisfied that Jesus is the one. And therefore, I've trusted him. I've believed in him. I have every confidence that he will bring to my heart and he will give me eternal life. And on that day when the roll is called up yonder, he's the one that will be my redeemer and my savior. But can everyone say that I have searched and found and trusted in the Lord Jesus as my personal savior? I think of Peter, the Lord Jesus came to wash the disciples' feet, and Peter said, not me. Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. And the Lord said, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. And then Peter surrendered, and he said, not me only, Lord, not my feet only, but my head also. When he realized that he needed to be washed by the Lord Jesus, he wanted to be washed from head to toe. And that's the attitude of the believer that comes to the Lord Jesus for cleansing. Lord, just don't take away one sin. Just don't take away that one sin that's troubled me yesterday. But Lord, look upon me. I, I, I'm full of sin from the crown of my head to the sole of my feet. I'm corrupt within and without. And I need to be saved and redeemed from head to toe. Now the question really is, are you searching today? If you're not searching with an earnestness, the kind of searching that made John weep. Are you really burdened about your soul today? Are you really burdened that you might find the one that can bring to you the peace of God and eternal life and salvation? Well, here is the Lord Jesus revealed to you. And just as these elders cried out, one is found. In the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that had sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book. My friend, I want you to sing that song, Thou art worthy. I want you to join the chorus of the saints in heaven and here on earth, right now today, to sing the song that the Lord is worthy. He's worthy of your faith today, worthy of your whole life and money. Yes, you may bear reproach as a Christian. Yes, you will have to take up your loss, but he is worthy, and he's the only one that can bring you into glory. Will you trust him today? Will you make him yours? What, what's keeping you back? What, what, what options do you have? What are you looking at? What else are you considering? Are you in any way suggesting that you don't need to be saved from your sin? Where else can you go? He is worthy, and he can redeem us by his own blood and wash us from all our sins and make us to be kings and priests, and we shall reign with him.
love to tell you what I think of Jesus Since I found in him a friend so strong and true I would tell you how he changed my life completely He did something that no other friend could do No one ever cared for me like Jesus There's no other friend so kind as he No one else could take the sin and darkness from me Oh, how much he cared for me All my life was full of sin when Jesus found me All my heart was full of misery and woe Jesus placed his strong and loving arms about me And he led me in the way I ought to go Every day he comes to me with new assurance More and more I understand his words of love But I'll never know just why he came to save me Till someday I see his blessed face above No one ever cared for me like Jesus There's no other friend so kind as he No one else could take the sin and the darkness Thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak and joining us on this message in Revelation 5 on the Lamb of God that taketh away our sins and how he is worthy to open the book, to unlock the seals and to pour out the blessing. Come to him, trust him with all your heart. You need to be personally trusting, resting in the Savior to be a Christian, to be saved, to be sure of eternal life. And he is the one that can pour out his blessing upon your soul to bring eternal life into your heart. This is Ian Golliher, and I count it a great privilege to minister the Word of God week by week to bring this Word to your heart wherever you are. And may the Lord draw near to minister to you. And if I can be of personal help, feel free to call. Give me a phone call. Send me an email. Work through our website. Thank you for all your encouragement. May the Lord bless you richly today. Thanks again for joining with us here on Let the Bible. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.lt. 
tbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast, and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music